a few more seats over this side if anybody wants to come. Can we give a warm welcome to Jonathan as he comes up to speak? Yes, that's great. Thank you. Let's just uh, stretch out a hand to John. Bless you. Lord, I want to thank you for this friend and brother and a true servant of yours. Lord, he's given us so much by working with us yesterday and bringing his gift and his anointing into our outreach. Lord, it's wonderful to partner in the gospel. But Lord, he's given us so much. I pray that you do him good, Lord. I pray that your blessing would rest upon him. I pray that he'd go away from here feeling that he has received something powerful. That he he goes away stronger and more energized from the Holy Spirit than when he came, Lord God. And also, he'd just have a profound sense of the love of the church. For him and for his ministry. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let your grace be with him as he speaks. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brian. Bless you. Well, good morning. <laughs> okay, such a uh, such a joy to be with you all. It really is. It's great to be back in the southwest, and uh, especially in Totnes and in Totnes Free Church. I'm really um, just delighted to be here. There's such a sense of, of family and of the love of God here, and uh, I hope you feel it uh, as I feel it when I come and visit with you. It's um, a, a blessing to be here with you. Um, I do want to recommend, by the way, yesterday I found these little leaflets. Uh, were any of you using these leaflets yesterday? Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I travel all, all around the country and I'm with lots of different churches. I think this is the best I've found. I don't know if you got a This is really good. I need to be in touch with you. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> So uh, you want to keep that kind of thing on you all the time. That's, can I take that one? Is that all right? <laughs> Just that one. Yeah. Just that one. Okay. <laughs> you might have people flying in to Totnes from all over. <laughs> okay. There you go. Fantastic. Can I just say also, um, if, uh, if any of you are interested in, um, in short-term missions... And getting involved in short-term missions, or or just knowing more about our, our own ministry, praying for us, supporting us, or uh, particularly interested in getting a bit of training and getting out on short-term missions, um, then I'm going to leave a few of these here. Is that all right, Aidan? And um, I'll just leave them by the side there. And basically, you know, this I'm, I love this particular. Level. Oh my goodness! Look at this. These are people who've already signed up. Oh look, they are. They're all people who signed up. I'm oh, sorry, I can't give you that. <laughs> Oh dear, never mind. Well, look, always get in touch with the ministry anyway. Tell us what it's called on the website. Yeah, if, look, if you go to um, mission24, okay, mission and then 24.co.uk, that's our website. And it's basically based on Matthew 24 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a witness to every nation, and then the end shall come. And so that's the, uh, that's the premise, that's the verse on which the, the uh, ministry was founded. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this now for 27 years. It hardly seems possible. It feels like yesterday I started, but... Um, don't know old enough. Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. That's good. <laughs> and uh, I started when I was quite young. I was 19 years old 
when I went full-time in missions. And um, so uh, it's been, yeah, about 160 mission trips around the world now. Uh, you know, so it's been go, 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 really, for, for years. And um, so I'm now, I'd like to say that was 10 years ago, but I, I'm now 40, uh, 47, will be 48 in October, and uh, married to the beautiful Elaine. We have three young boys, and... Uh, Great guys. It's a delight to me. I'm taking my oldest. He's just turned 14, and he's coming with me on mission to Africa in August. So that's going to be his first mission to um, the so-called developing world. Anyway, look, I have, a, uh, I have a particular word on my heart for you I want to share with you. And um, it took me a good number of hours to get down here yesterday. And it's going to take me five, six hours to, take, to get back. So um, I, I didn't have a lot of time. I thought to myself, do I, do I just deliver to you a standard message? You know, when you preach a lot, and, and I preach about five, six times every weekend, you know, with the exception of one week off, uh, one weekend off in a month. I, um, you know, when you preach a lot, you could kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo pick a sermon by the toe. But I, didn't, I, I, I don't really want to do that. I, I want to bring to you, you know, a word from the Lord. And so... Um, it was about 10.30 last night when I finally hit the sack. And uh, as I hit the sack, I had all the intention in the world of going upstairs to my bedroom and having a great time of intercession and, and preparing a word. But to be honest with you, I put my head down on the pillow and the next thing I knew it was the early hours. And um, I was just so tired. And, uh, but the Lord said to me as I put my head down, I said, I'll wake you up with a word tomorrow morning. And as I woke up in the early hours of this morning... Um, the Lord dropped a word in my heart for you. And so I want to share that with you. And so I'll tell you what the theme of it is in a moment. But I want to say this. I believe in the spirit that yesterday a trumpet call was sounded in the spirit over Tottenham. I believe that in the spirit a new season was inaugurated in God in the town. When God starts to do something, when he wants to do something new... He looks for a man. He looks for a woman. He looks for a company of people who will say yes. Who are willing to allow themselves to be used by him to be a vehicle of blessing, salvation and grace to a town, a city, a region, a nation, a generation. Amen. And so God looks for those people and he starts with a word. Everything that God does starts with a word. Whenever God does something new, he starts it with a word. And, you know, thank God that as a people you were willing to hear, to pray, and to hear God concerning this venture that you started yesterday. I say started because I know what's in the heart of the leadership here, that it's to be an ongoing thing. But I believe that a new day has started. And the wonderful thing about the grace of God to us is that whenever God initiates something new, Whenever God speaks a word, he releases the Spirit of God upon the word to bring to pass what he promises. He releases new anointing. He releases fresh grace and power to bring to pass his purpose. Amen. That doesn't mean that we can be lapsadaisical about it. It doesn't mean that we can just kind of rest on our laurels and think, oh, well, God's going to do it all now. We just sit back and do nothing. It's all just going to happen anyway. No, it's, that's not the way it is. You know, one of the prophets said, cry out for rain in the time of the latter rain. 
I don't know how much you know about Old Testament stuff, but you know the former rains happened around the, the springtime. They softened up the soil. But the latter rains came bringing in the, the bumper harvest, so to speak. And there's a really interesting thing that, that the, the prophet says, cry out for rain in the time of the latter rain. You can understand maybe if he said cry out for rain in the time of the former rain. Because those are the lighter rains and you want it to get heavier to bring in a stronger harvest. But he actually says, in the time when the harvest is at its greatest, cry out for rain. And what he's telling us is that we need to be a people who are proactive, consistent in prayer, reaching out to God, not taking for granted the blessings that he's given to us, receiving it as a free grace gift from him, but nonetheless continuing to reach out in faith, to receive what God is giving and to step out with it, to impart it to others. Amen. Amen. And so it's an exciting time to be alive in Totnes. That deserved an amen. I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if you're a church that does amens and all of that, but but you know, honestly, occasionally, occasionally, okay. I know when I'm in favour if I hear an amen. There we go. Well, look. Oh, amen. There you go. I'm in favour. There we are. But look, the, the the thing is this: it's um, it's a good thing to say amen to the word of the Lord. Because God looks for a place of agreement. God looks for a place of agreement. Some people think God just does what he wants to, when he wants to, where he wants to. It's not actually like that. God looks for partnership. God looks for people that will be willing to work with him. And thank God for that. This, I believe, that there is such a people here. Amen. So a bushfire has started. When we were in the middle of worship here, uh, you know, we were just worshipping away. I had my eyes closed. And, you know, I suddenly saw this, this fire, this literally like a bushfire just starting. And, you know, the beautiful thing about bushfires, of course, they, they can start quite small. And what may have happened, what happened yesterday may seem to you as quite a big thing, but it's small in the light of what God is going to do. So the thing is, with what God wants to do, he always starts with these, like, these small bushfires. But suddenly they start picking up and the wind blows on them and they increase and they increase. And bushfires can be hard to put out. You know, they, they get really strong. They take over whole forests and communities. And, and you know, we're just believing God for what has started to become a mighty fire. Amen. And sweep through topness. Hallelujah. So let me just um, share this word that I woke up this morning with. And this was the word. It was a question. And I knew as I heard it that it wasn't for me. In one sense, I take it for me because I, I you know, I, it's, a, it's a good word. It's a good word generally to embrace. But I knew it was for you. I knew it was for the church. It's a simple question and it's this. Will you be faithful to the call? Will you be faithful to the call? That was the word that I heard for you. Will you be faithful to the call? The call of God is dynamic. The call of God is something that takes you out of the ordinary and makes you significant. It changes the very balance of your life, so to speak. It refocuses you. It makes you sharp. It makes you intentional, purposeful. One of the things that um, the scriptures teach us that we've been saved from is we have been saved from a life without purpose. The Apostle Peter wrote, and, and in his letters he says this, he says that we have been saved from that, 
from the kind of pointless tradition. He said, received. He said, by a pointless way of life, received by tradition from your forefathers. And sometimes, you know, what happens in our lives is, you know, we, we just learn the, the way of, of living from our parents and they did from their parents. We just carry on in our kind of nine to five existence. And, you know, we want life to be comfortable and easy and, you know, everything to go well. And, and, but, you know, Jesus has called us into his purpose. And the purpose of Jesus is radical. The purpose of Jesus is very focused. The, church, the purpose of Jesus, when it really grips your heart, transforms you. You can no longer be satisfied with the status quo. Amen. You become somebody who shakes things up. You stir the atmosphere up when you arrive. Amen. Now, I know that not everybody likes that kind of talk. Uh, you know, some people like come to church and, and half the time they're thinking about the chicken in the oven and all of that. But the fact about it is that's not life as God intended. That's not how Jesus intended it. In fact, you know, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, who today many of us are familiar with, it's all over the world, and hundreds, maybe even thousands of churches. You know, it's an amazing move of God that started from this guy who was a most unlikely church leader. You know, the leader of a, of a rock band called the Righteous Brothers in California. You know, a, a, an amazing musician, played 11 different instruments brilliantly. And um, got saved, converted to Christ, and, uh, you know, started going along to church, but became absolutely dissatisfied with what he experienced. Because he said, as he read in the Bible, as he read the book of Acts, he said that's what formed his understanding of what church is meant to be. So, you know, he thought that really what would happen when he went to church, he said, is that they would all gather, they would have a kind of, a kind of pep talk in his understanding. He said that they'd all pray for one another, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then go all the way out through Orange County throughout the day, casting out demons, healing the sick, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then they would regroup in the evening to tell the great stories of how Jesus had transformed communities by the power of the gospel. He said he was highly disappointed <laughs> when he came to a hymn prayer sandwich, you know, in the local church. Well, the thing about it is, is that <clears throat> here we are many years later, and... Um, I don't know if that was someone else's or mine, but it's now mine. Here we go. <laughs> but the thing is, here we are many years later and many church plants later. And John Wimber, you know, had made this statement a, a number of years before he went to be with the Lord. He said this, that every human being needs three conversions. Three conversions. Now stay with me, he's not being heretical. He's saying that said, every human being needs three conversions. Number one, to Christ. Number two to his church, and number three to his cause. I think that's fabulous. And I think that's very true. Every human being needs three conversions. Firstly, to Christ. Without Christ, you'll never make it to heaven. Christ alone is the one who paid the price for our sins. We know that he is the one who is risen from the dead. He is our salvation, and without him there is no salvation. He alone is the answer for the, the whole need of humanity. Amen. And, and, you know, through him we're reconciled to God. So we have to be converted to Christ. Number two, we have to be converted to his church. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. Yes. Jesus is coming back not just for you. He's coming back for a bride. Amen. Yes. We are the bride of Christ. And thank God, you know, it's one. he's not just coming back for a head. He's not, sorry, he's not just coming back for a toe or an eye or a, or a foot. He's coming back for the whole body. Amen. Yeah. 
And so that's why this, this whole thing, this great message of, of unity that is, that is around. God is uniting his church. And I want to encourage you because up and down this country, all over the country, churches are coming together in unity. In a couple of days, I'm going to be conducting a five-day mission in Crewe. They haven't had a mission for 40 years in Crewe. The church has never been united about anything for 40 years. This is what the, the leaders of the churches tell me. And so we're going to do 12 churches coming together to win souls to Christ. In February, I went there to do a week of, of training. And uh, for the churches, 90 people from all different churches turned up to be equipped for evangelism. They told me, the leaders of the churches told me that in 40 years, no one had ever been led to Christ on the streets of Crewe. Nobody had ever been prayed for on the streets of Crewe. But, for the, but since then, since February, every single week, people have come to Christ on the streets of Crewe. People have been healed on the streets of Crewe. They're being healed in the offices. They're being saved in the schools. It's, it's all happening. It's wonderful. So I feel I'm just going, we're just going to catch the wave. You know? it's, it's wonderful. But the thing is, is, is that here are 12 churches coming together. But this is happening all over the country in all different parts. And it's churches coming together. And inevitably, God takes hold of this. There's a church that hears what God is doing. And they start the thing rolling. But as it starts rolling, it picks up and more churches start gathering in with it. And they pick up the sense, hey, God's on the move. Let's, it's no longer church as usual. Well, actually, that's what church as usual should be like. But, you know, <laughs> the church is getting alive again. And things are happening. And it impacts. And it really is. It's impacting. Our community. So we need to be converted to Christ. We need to be converted to his church. And we need to be converted to his cause. That we really live for Christ and his purpose, the cause of the gospel. So what I want to do um, this morning is I want to talk to you about the call of God. And as I do so, I'm going to try and do this as, as quickly as I can. I, I don't know what time you normally end. But um, it may not be normal today, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, but I want to share with you something of the call of God and what the scriptures teach concerning the call of God. And I want to put a challenge out to us today of what I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you to. And then we're going to pray. There is a call from God upon every life in this place. Amen. There is a call from God upon every life in this place, in this church. The first call is to sonship. You and I are called to be sons of God. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Forgive me if you are a lady and you think, you know, well, come on. It's, you know, it's a remarkable thing. The Bible doesn't talk a lot about daughters of God. It does, it's got one or two references in the whole of the New Testament. And it's not a put-down, it's actually a pick-up. Because in the in New Testament times, you know, daughters didn't have any inheritance. Only sons had inheritance. But the amazing thing is, is, is that that's why the Scripture, you know, talks about us all being sons of God. And I know that's a bit of a conversion in people's, in, in ladies' minds to relate to themselves as being a son of God. But don't worry, us guys also have a bit of a conversion of thinking of ourselves as the bride of Christ, you know. It's, um, that's not an easy one either. So, um, you know, but the reality is that it, it's the truth. And we hold a position of inheritance before our Heavenly Father. We are sons of God. And in fact, Romans 8 says 
that the whole creation is longing and groaning, yearning for the revealing of the sons of God. Not the servants of God, but the sons of God. And so it's fundamental that you understand this. You are number one called to sonship. To be like Jesus in this world. And that to be like Jesus, not only in his character, but in his charisma. That's what Christianity is. It's the life of Christ in men and women. Being revealed to the world. It's a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And so it's not a religion. It's all about relationship. You are a son and an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Secondly, of course, though, we are called to service. If you want the reference here, just, there's lots of references we could give. But first to sonship, you can take Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 6. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6 tells us this, that we were preordained, predestined by God to sonship. Why don't I just read it? It's beautiful. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So first of all, we are accepted. We are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Secondly, we're called to service. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, We are his workmanship. It's a beautiful word, poema in the Greek, his, from which we get the word poem. It's a, a, his work of art. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, God is basically saying that good works don't save us, but we are saved into good works. And so once we are saved, the works count. They really count for something. They count for nothing before we're saved. But once we are saved by grace and not by works, the works do count for something. And one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account to God for how we used our time, our talents and our treasure in this life. And that's what the Bible teaches. So saved from the great white throne judgment, not saved from the judgment seat of Christ. So we will face that. All of us will face that. So we want to use our lives for the full. Amen. And so, you know, this is an amazing thing that my dad always used to teach me. When I was a teenager, he said to me, John... He says, I pray every day that I will not miss one of the good works that God has set up, prepared for me for this day. He said, it's a good prayer for you to adopt. And so I prayed that most of the days of my life since that time as a teenager. I pray that I will not miss the good works that God has laid up for me for that day. Every day, you know, just to be aware and alert. Just the other day in our own town, born up in, in South Lincolnshire, you know, I'd arranged to meet my son after school just outside the bank to help him with some simple banking stuff, you know. And, and um, you know, as I was waiting for him outside the bank, I suddenly noticed a guy sitting on the bench outside the bank. And he's sitting there and he's got a crutch. So I just said to me, a crutch speaks of a divine appointment. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I looked at him and I saw the crutch. I said, hey man, what's with the crutch? So he tells me all about it. I said, uh, do you have any faith that God could turn that around for you? He said, well, um, I said, look, I do. So look, I, I, can, I can pray for you now. Jesus can heal you. How about it? So, uh, you know, I prayed for him. You know, he immediately felt better. And then I share Christ with them, and he prays and gives his life to Christ. And, uh, well, you know, it, it's, it's great. I just, I love to, to, you know, to take the opportunities. Peter said, be ready at every opportunity to, get, to speak to people, to give a reason for the hope that's inside of you. Amen. 
Well, I was just waiting at the bank, you know. It's great to tell you about the fact, well, I was invited to speak here at the park in Totnes. It was a prearranged appointment. But there were divine appointments in the midst of it through the, through the afternoon. Of course there were. But it's wonderful to be ready always, all the time in life. Amen. Amen. To live ready, to stay ready. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I want you to say this after me. I am God's workmanship. And I am created for good works, great things, mighty acts that God has planned for my life. God will do mighty things through my life. Every day, the plan of God is being worked out in my life and through my life. Amen. It's a good thing to declare and to act that way and to believe it. Do you know what? Your tongue sets the course of your life. Many of you may be aware of your calling. If you're called to be a son of God, which you are, that means to be a Christian, it means you're called to be like Christ. Think about that. That's the highest calling you've got. Whatever specific things that God gives you to do in his church or through his church, it fits into the bigger call to be like Christ. Jesus says, the Father sent me, I send you. So my question to you is, will you be faithful to that call? Will you be like Jesus to your community? Will you be like Jesus to your neighbours? Will you be like Jesus to your workmates? Will you pray for them regularly to come to Christ? Will you reach out to them with the love of God practically? Will you reach out to them with the love of God to share the good news of Jesus, which is the greatest act of love a human being can ever make? Well, this is what God is calling us to, to be like Christ. Secondly, to serve. And you know, it's very important that whenever we speak of ourselves and whenever we speak of our lives and the plan that God has for us, that we align our words with what God says about us. Bill Johnson is right when he says, you cannot afford to have any thought about yourself in your mind that God doesn't have about you in his. That is spot on. You cannot afford to have any thought about yourself in your mind that God doesn't have about you in his. You are who God says you are and you can do what God says you can do. And you need to start relating to yourself that way. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You're a child of God. You have been appointed by him and God has great plans ahead for your life. You need to believe that and to say that. Because what you say, according to James 2, it directs the course of your life. It does. How many of you are used to having to say what you don't feel? How many of you are used to saying what you do not feel? Okay. There's lots of us here who need to get used to that. I need to explain that to you. All right, there's two levels of reality. There's the reality of your own physical senses, of what you feel like, and there's a higher reality, which is the Word of God, which is spiritual truth. Jesus said, your Word is truth. There are people who say, oh, come on, just get real. You know, you're tired, you feel done in, just talk that way. You know, if you do that and you talk that way all the time, you'll stay that way. If you want to change it, you need to say something different. If you want to be effective, you need to say something different. 
You know, you can always tell if a church is going to go down, it's because the leaders say things like, oh, nothing much ever happens in this place. You know, we're just our little old church. <laughs> when you talk like that, guess what? You're going to stay a little old church and nothing much is going to be happening around you. <laughs> Kingsgate Community Church, which is the church that, uh, that, that we come from, started with six people 25 years ago. The pastor handed in his resignation to God four times in four years. <laughs> it took them two years to get to 11 people. And then they have what the pastor calls a backdoor revival. And they were down to six. <laughs> and, and then he said, really, he handed his resignation into God and said, it's too hard, Lord, I can't do this. At that time, he was the head of history at Stanford Public School. The head of department for history. And... Uh, but the Lord kept telling him to go for it. And uh, he put his faith out to the Lord and they kept pressing on. It took them four years to get to 29 people. When 29 people, the Lord told him to hand in his notice and to live by faith. The weekend he did that, four new families joined the church. And then it, they could support him. And then it just started to grow and grow. Today, it's a church of 2,000. But after that four years, this was a major turning point for them. They were meeting in a home. And he said at that time, he says, there was only about 11 people sitting in this home, in this meeting. He said, really just wondering about where they're doing the right thing. It all seems such hard work. And God gave them a prophetic word. And this was it. Think big or you'll limit me. Think big or you'll limit me. And I want to say to you, I believe that here, the Totnes Free Church, the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, it's time to change your thinking. It can have many different expressions. It doesn't mean you have to buy a big warehouse somewhere and have it there. It may mean that you end up planting other churches in years to come. It may mean that you do events that, that impact the whole community and the whole region. It may be that people get sent out from here and, and God sends them all over the world and they may impact all over the place. But what I want to say to you is start thinking big. Start believing what God has declared over you at many different times through the years. Start believing, thinking big. And speaking in line with what God has spoken over your life. Speaking the promises of God. Thinking the promises of God. And declaring them over your life. It's fundamental. It sets the course of your life. So God has called you to sonship, to relationship. Secondly, he's called you to service. And he has a plan for your life. David knew the call of God. I'm going to give you these scriptures, but I'm going to fast forward because time's going on. But I want you to look up these scriptures in your own time. David knew the call of God. Of course, he was the one who was out in the field when the prophet Samuel turned up and asked you know, to, to see the sons of Jesse. And he went through all of the different ones. He was so impressed with Eliab because Eliab was a big strapping tall guy, head and shoulders above all the others. He must have reminded Samuel of Saul who had just been rejected by the Lord. And he thought, well, maybe, you know, this has got to be the one. He's got to be the replacement of Saul. But the Lord said, don't look at the outside because God doesn't look as man judges. He sees the heart. And so this young man, David, in the end gets called and he's the anointed of the Lord. David writes this in Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. He says, you knew me and put me together in my mother's womb. He says, every day of my life was written in your book before there was one of them. That tells us that God has a destiny pre-planned for you ahead. Now it's up to you whether or not you choose to walk in it. But I want you to know that the plan and the call will always be there. The call is there. 
And David knew that call in his heart. It's a thing that kept urging him on. It's a thing that kept moving him on all of the years when he was being chased like a wild animal through the wilderness by Saul and his ravaged jealousy and his wild actions to try and destroy this young man, David. In all of his insecurity, the thing that kept David going was his relationship with God and the fact he knew that the prophet had brought the word of the Lord that he was to be the king. He kept his heart right. He kept with a servant heart, but he knew that the day was coming when he would be who God said he would be. It kept him on course all the days of his life. Samuel knew the call of God. Of course, when Samuel, as a young boy, heard God calling him, he thought it was a man calling him. He thought it was Eli. Three times he goes through to Eli saying, you called me. So he says, no, I didn't go back to bed. <laughs> Eventually, the old priest realizes what's going on. And says, if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your master is listening. And he stood, and the voice came again. He said, speak, Lord, for your master is listening. And God spoke to Samuel, and he became such a great prophet that the scripture says God would not let one of his words fall to the ground. Sometimes I think other people recognize the call of God in us before we recognize it ourselves. Sometimes people who've walked with God longer recognize the DNA of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and his calling. And, and we know it, but sometimes, you know, because of past failures, sometimes because of our low self-worth or low self-esteem or we don't feel we're quite up to the job, we think that maybe, you know, maybe financial pressures, whatever, we don't think it could possibly mean us. But the reality is deep on the inside, there's that knowing, God's got something for me. I'm not too sure what it is, but God's got something. But others around you often recognize the DNA of what God is doing in your life. I want you to know that God has his hand on your life. Moses knew the call of God. I was reading it afresh in the early hours this morning in Exodus 3 and 4. But, you know, Moses gave 101 excuses as to why he was the wrong choice. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Why me, Lord? You know, there's, you know that guy down the road, he's a, he's a lot more qualified than me. That guy on the other side of the room. Well, that lass over there, she's really gifted. You know, that fella, he can talk great. You know, he's the one you're meant to come with. You know, so many of the people that God chose throughout the Bible are people that you would not naturally choose. And Moses, let's face it, he had to wait 40 years in the wilderness. In the prime of his strength at about 40 years old, you know, he, he knew that there was a destiny on his life to deliver the people of God. But there he is, you know, he decides he's going to do it all in his own strength and he's going to take on the Egyptians. He decided he was going to deal with them one man at a time. And he deals just with one and he has to run for his life. <laughs> Forty years later and he's in a wilderness looking after his father's sheep. So much more humbled by now. Not feeling that God could do anything with him. And he sees this fire. A bush bursts into flame. Well that kind of combustion is, you know, happens quite a bit out in the wilderness. But the thing that was different was this was not going out. And so it gets his attention. And when God sees that he has turned to look at what's happening, then God speaks to him. Many times we will not know in clear definition, in high definition, so to speak, what God is calling us to do until we turn aside from the everyday of life to go towards the presence of God. And then God speaks. When you draw near to him, he draws near to you. There's an inner knowing, but you have to turn to him before you get the definition. 
You know, he made 101 excuses. I really, you know, they won't believe me. They won't believe that you've appeared to me, Lord. I can't speak. I'm no good at speaking. Anyway. Neither before nor since you spoke to your servant. <laughs> Finally, he says, please send by the hand of whomever else you will. <laughs> yes. There used to be a, a song that used to be sung when I was part of Good News Crusade. We don double. I remember the, the Reapers years ago. Anybody can remember them. And I can remember them singing this song, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. You know. <laughs> and, <laughs> but how times have changed. You know. But there are those who say, Well, fine, Lord, you know, I just want a normal life. Uh, you know, I, I just want my day-to-day life, you know, and, and I just want to settle down and I want to, please, Lord, just send somebody else. You know, just speak to somebody else to do it. But actually, that someone else is you. That someone else is you. It's an amazing passage because actually the scripture says, although God gave him Aaron to do the speaking, the anger of the Lord burnt against Moses. Wow, I would not want that. Would you want that? The anger of the Lord burnt against Moses. And even though God gave him Aaron, he didn't let him off the hook. He said, you'll speak to Aaron and Aaron will be like the prophet and you'll be like God to him. Now go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, Isaiah felt too unclean to be called. Felt he made too much of a mess of his life. He said, I live amongst a people of, of unclean lips and I'm a man of unclean lips. But God sends an angel with a fiery coal from the altar to touch his lips. And it consumed up his iniquity. Let me say this to you. No sin that you have committed is too great here for Jesus to forgive and cleanse and make you clean. Yes. Amen. Amen. Jesus can make you clean today. Jesus can set you free. Jesus can turn your life so around. And you know what? One of the things that concerns me today about some of our young people, and I thank God about your young people. I saw these guys out here just reaching out to people left, right and centre yesterday. That was wonderful. But there's lots of young people I meet in churches today who are not passionately on fire for Jesus. And some of them, you know, they are so concerned. And I know young people and sometimes adults too feel peer pressure. Sometimes we all feel that around us and we're concerned about what others will think about us. Our true concern ought to be what God thinks about us. And you know, whether or not we're bringing pleasure to his heart. There is a difference between acceptance and pleasure. We're all accepted by the grace of God through Christ. But you know, to bring pleasure to the heart of God is something that should be in all of our hearts. Paul said to the Ephesians, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, and so live in a way that brings him pleasure. And so, you know, one of the things I find many times with folks is when they don't really realise what they've been saved from. When they don't really realise, you know, that what repentance is all about. When that happens, if they don't, if, if the way they come to Christ is kind of like, well, just give your life to Jesus, just pray a, a simple prayer. You know, just, just ask Jesus to come into your heart, everything will be all right. If they're never taught, you know what, you cannot go on living that way and serve God. If they're not, not taught that way, then the reality is that what happens is they come into their Christian life, but they're dragging a whole package of sin along with them. They have no confidence to share Jesus with others because they're living just the same way they lived before they were saved. 
and it destroys their confidence in sharing Christ with others. In the words of a guy who spoke to me one time of doing a seminar on baptism, he came up to me and me at the end and said, John, here I am, I'm 50 years old, I've been a Christian for 11 years, my life's been up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Why didn't anyone ever tell me I had to repent? Incredible. But you know what? When people repent and they turn to the Lord away from their sin and to God for his grace and they experience the powerful life-changing grace of God dealing with that sin, setting them free and making them a bright light, a sharp cutting edge for Jesus, you know something, they get so on fire you can't stop them. They want to tell everyone about Jesus because they've experienced the change in their life. Amen. That's just uh, the basics of the gospel. But let me say this here. Isaiah felt too unclean to be called. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1, felt too young. Most of the disciples were in their teens when Jesus called them. Okay? The call may be costly. (laughs) There you go. Bless you. Have a good day. Bless you guys. Okay, I realize I've crossed the line. 12, 12 is obviously the line. There we go. <laughs> okay. Here we are. I'll give you 10 minutes. It's no problem. <laughs> 10 minutes. 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I do 13 minute radio programs. I, I can do it, but I've just got to. There you go. Look, uh, may I just say the call may be costly. I just say this to you, the call may be costly. To really follow Jesus is a costly thing. It is. To really follow Jesus, to say no to sin, to choose to do what God wants you to do in the face of lots of other pressures, it's costly. But you know what? There's great blessing in that. You'll find the grace and the blessing and the reward is far greater than the cost. But nonetheless, it may be costly. When God called Paul, God spoke to Ananias. You find this in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to 16. And there's this great call on on the apostle Paul. But, you know, while he's still Saul, you know, uh, God speaks. Jesus appears to Ananias in a vision and tells him to go go and to speak to him and to anoint his eyes and all the rest of it. And he says this to him, tell him of how much he has to suffer for my name's sake. He is a chosen vessel of mine to preach the gospel, to take the gospel before kings and authorities, before the Jews and the Gentiles, and let him know how much he's got to suffer for my name's sake. Powerful. In his own testimony, he says this. I'm just going to give you the scripture. be the last one probably I'll look up for you, but here you are. 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 12, and he says this. Therefore, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. 
For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul the Apostle was well aware that suffering was part of the call. But it was worth it all. His eyes were on the eternal prize and on obedience to Jesus, not on temporal comfort. You may even have to leave behind you everything you know and is familiar with you and is precious to you. Mark 1 verse 16 to 20. When Jesus called the disciples, they left their nets. They left their father. They had to leave family. They had to leave occupation and follow Jesus. It's costly. Amen. You don't hear much preaching like that today. You remember the young man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, please let me go and bury my dad first. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. That's strong stuff. And of course, family is is vital, isn't it? The Bible teaches us a lot about family and the value of family. How do you handle it when Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you come and follow me? He says, if anyone loves family more than me, they're not worthy of me. That's strong. Well, no matter what the cost, no matter what the trials and what temptations you may have to go through, and you will go through them if you follow the call of God upon your life, to really be like Jesus. I don't mean to be a comfortable church attender. I mean to be a disciple. You're no longer at peace with the world. And the world's not at peace with you. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 6, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ, by which I have been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. Whenever I talk to young people or young marrieds or others, I always want to say to them, and particularly to young people, I always say, do you know, yes, you've been saved from sin. Here's something else you've been saved from. You're no longer part of the world. Don't try to fit into its culture. Follow Christ. You're part of a different company now. You're part of God's kingdom. And it really, I tell you, that kind of preaching separates the men from the boys. It separates those who are really, who are disciples of Jesus and those who are desperate to fit in with the world and be accepted. But when you know you're already accepted by God, you don't have to do your best to be accepted by people. Because whether they like you or not, doesn't really matter. Jesus said, if you try to please men, you cannot be his follower. No matter what the cost, the trials and temptations, number one, I want to tell you three things about the call very quickly. Look at these scriptures as well. Romans eleven twenty nine. Number one, no matter what you have to go through, Whatever tests and trials and temptations, number one, the call of God on your life cannot be revoked. You didn't earn it. God chose you. It's that simple. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you. It's a great thing to know you're chosen by God. Chosen by Jesus. He didn't put up with you. He didn't kind of think, well, you know... You're the bottom of the barrel. No, you are the first 
in line. He chose you. He wants you. You do have to say yes. You do have to respond to the calling, absolutely. But nonetheless, you respond to his choosing, but he chose you in the same way. This is important. This is a balance you find in Scripture. And, and I, I want to say, you know, um, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I, I, uh, <laughs> I feel, for me, I felt very blessed that as I was growing up as a teenager in our home, my dad is a pastor, we had different people, different ministers from all different aspects, different parts of the body of Christ come and minister in our, in our church, in our home. And they all held different positions and different things. So look, um, you know, and, and times I've gone along to revive, and, and, and I know that Ichthus is, is, has, a, has a theology. It really has a, a very distinct theology. But, you know, for me, uh, I've come along there, and my brother and I sometimes have come along to the camp, and because the theology is so there, uh, we've come out and we smile to each other as we go for a walk around Ashburnham, and we say to each other, well, what are we then? <laughs> uh, are, are we, am I a Calvinist? Am I, am I an Armenian? Am I? What am I? And we both smile at each other and we say, well, actually, I'm an Armenian Calvinistic, a charismatic evangelical. You know, I'm... <laughs> and I am because I see there's lots of truth in Calvinism and there's lots of truth in Armenianism. There is. One cannot deny the scriptures that teach about predestination, but one cannot deny the scriptures that talk about free choice. They're both there. It's a tension in Scripture. But it's a wonderful thing to know this, that even though you did make the choice to respond, you made the choice also. You discover this. Once you're saved, you realize you were chosen by him from before the foundation of the world. Do I understand that? No. I just thank God I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not my business to know. I always say to people in the end, predestination is God's business. Evangelism is mine. <laughs> Amen. So I'm not God. I don't understand all that. You know, and, but, you know, but he's outside of, outside of time. Amen. Amen. So he knows everything. He knows. But I know this. His predestination is based on his foreknowledge. So it's just. Anyway. Let's not get into all of that. There we are. So God knows you. And he loves you. And he's chosen you. This is the great news about it, is that God knew every sin you'd ever commit, every mess up you'd ever make, and I don't think I'm the only one who's, only, who's messed up here. I know you're all looking so holy there, but I, but I wanted to say this. But the fact is, it doesn't, you know, God knew everything about you well before you ever gave your life to Christ. He knew every mistake you would ever make Every wrong thought you'd ever think, every bad attitude you'd ever have, or any wrong word or wrong action that you ever would say or do, and he still chose you. Listen, God is committed to you. He will perfect the work he's begun in you. I don't know about you, I, I, just, I just am amazed at the goodness of God. I, I honestly think if... If God was not committed to me, I would not be standing here before you today. I wouldn't be. I know I wouldn't be. I know myself too well. I, I, would, I would have been down the chute years ago. Yeah. And quite frankly, if I was God, I would not have chosen me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I laid hands on the guy in the park in Slovakia a couple of years ago, an old um, the guy who was living homeless on the street. The Lord gave me a word of knowledge about him. He's deaf in his left ear. He came forward. I, I just called the crowd around the park to come and gather. And before I prayed, I said, let's pray for this guy, see what God does. I prayed for him. He was instantly healed. When he got healed and gave his life to Christ, he turned to me and he started saying to me, you're God, you're God. <laughs> I said to him, you can be very glad I'm not. <laughs> so, no. All I can say is, the grace of God has worked, has worked more and more in me as I've gone on with Jesus in my life. But I've, I've messed up many times and I just thank God that he's picked me up. And he's not left me down there. Amen. And may I just say, if you mess up, don't give up, get up. And get up as quick as possible. Don't hang around there thinking, well, you know, I just feel too guilty, I can't confess that, you know. No, get it out, get it out quickly. Sin's a killer. Don't make peace with it. Get rid of it. Stand up again. Champions don't give up. They get up. The call comes with the grace to fulfill it. So number one, here it is. The call cannot be revoked. Number two, the call comes with the grace to fulfill it. And number three, the call will be rewarded. Did you get those? Romans eleven twenty nine. the call cannot be revoked. We're almost there. Here's a story for you, a quickie. I'm walking through the east end of London, down in Canning Town. And I'm walking on the streets in Canning Town. I told the church I was going to teach them on prophetic evangelism. And so I taught them, and they said, now let's go and do it. We walked out, I said, anybody wants it, you can come with me if you want. And there was this old lady, bless her heart. She was a very feisty old lady. I really didn't want to go out with her, to be honest. Not because she was an old lady, but because of her manner. She went out with this black, long black mac and this kind of black plastic hat. And she had this long umbrella. She liked to waggle at people. <laughs> and, you know, she's so feisty. We got a few of them. Oh, have you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Shall I change the story? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, the thing is, she comes up to me. <laughs> she comes up to me. Okay, the door's there. How quickly can I get from there to there? So, she says this to me. She says, she says, I want to come with you, young man. Like this. Well, all right, yes, okay. So we go out, and I said to everybody, go to the market, because that's where most people were. So we're going off down the street, and as we get off down the street, she's walking with me, I suddenly get this inner tug to, to a side road, just off the side. So it's the only way I can describe it, the Holy Spirit leading me down there. So I said to her, I said, um, we're going down there. She said, and why are we going there? You told us we're going to the market. I said, look, don't worry about it, look. We're going down there. And she said, no, you said we're going to the market. We need to keep our word. I felt like saying, Lord, just put her out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I did, you know. But instead, I said, look, the Holy Spirit to told me to go that way. She said, why? I said, don't worry about it. Just do what I'm saying. All right, so we said, walk off. So we went down there and we went off down the street. As we go down, I see this big black guy. Uh, he's about 6'4". And, you know, he, it's in the summer. He's wearing this string vest. He, he's, I guess the modern word is he's ripped. You know, just <laughs> muscles everywhere. And he's wearing, he's, he's shining his car up. And it's all, you know, beautifully, you know, glimmering in the, in the sunlight. And um, he's got his baseball cap turned the other way. You know, he's, he's Mr. Cool. And, um, 
Anyway, I go up to him. Now, before I can open my mouth to talk to him, she got there. Oh. <laughs> she waggled on ahead of me like She got up to him and she waggled that umbrella in his face. And she said to him, young man, I'm telling you, you're going to hell. <laughs> oh, not, the right, not the best introduction. So I, um, I, I saw him turn at her and he absolutely growled, you know. Uh, so, I, so I quickly stepped in front of her. And I, I said, well, she's very zealous. Um, hold on. So I just turned, I said, you know what? I can really sense there's some warfare over this one. Can you just go to that corner and pray for me? Just over there. <laughs> she said, yeah, absolutely. I said, God bless you. Anyway, so then, so then I turned my this guy. And I said to him, you know, um, I said, yeah, bless her heart, she's really zealous, but, you know, I just want to tell you about Jesus, you know, about his love for you and the plan he has for your life. And he was just not interested. Well, I thought then, and this is a bad move, don't ever try to do this, I thought I'm, I'm going to be cool trying to relate to him. <laughs> so I just kind of relaxed and put my hand on his freshly waxed car. <laughs> he turned at me, he growls a bit more. <laughs> and I could just say, Lord, this is just not working. But I felt you directed me to this guy. What is it? Suddenly I see a vision of him as a nine-year-old boy in Jamaica. And in the vision I see and I can hear the Lord call him audibly to the ministry. And he rejects it and takes a Bible and throws it across the room and says, never, I'll never serve you. So I just turned to him, and I don't normally say this to unsaved people, but I just turned to him and said to him, the word of the Lord to you is, sir. And the moment I said the word of the Lord, he reached out and he picked up his, base, his baseball cap with muscle and just went straight like this. You know? And I thought, I don't know why he's doing that, but he did, he went like this. And I said, the word of the Lord to you is, I said, when you were nine years old, the word of the Lord came to you in your room, in your bedroom in Jamaica and called you to the ministry, but you rejected it. And you said you would never follow Jesus and his call on your life. And you've come to this country and you've gone through relationship after relationship after relationship. I said, your heart is broken. You've been on drugs. You've been on alcohol. And in fact, only in the last few months, you've just come out of a drying out session in, a, in an alcohol rehabilitation place. But the word of the Lord is coming to you a second time and calling you. He, this huge, big black fella broke down in tears and said, it's absolutely right. He said, it's true. He said, how did you know all that stuff? I said, well, I don't, but God does. And he knows you. And he loves you. He said, he said, look, I've got nine brothers and sisters. Every one of them loves Jesus. Every one of them is serving God. And I'm the only one who said no. And here he was after years of broken relationships, years of drugs, alcohol abuse, and messing about with his life. But you know what? The call of God can't be revoked. And God came to him again. He gives his life to Christ there and then with me on the street. And then I was able to introduce him to the church that also runs a Bible school to help him prepare for the ministry. Let me say to you, the call of God cannot be revoked. Amen. Ephesians 1.3 and Ephesians 2.10, the call comes with the grace to fulfill it. Can you do it by yourself? No. You just have to get used to the fact God's called you to the impossible. As long as you accept that, get easy with that, things will work out well. Number three, the call will be rewarded. Matthew 25, verse 21. Revelation chapters 2 and 3. The call will be rewarded. The rewards of Scripture are not for the saved. Are you aware of that? The rewards of the Lord 
are not for the saved. They are for the overcomers. All the saved will make it to heaven, but the overcomers will get rewarded. I don't want to end up in heaven on that day, standing there in the overalls or something shabby, just having made it by the skin of my teeth into heaven and see others go on ahead of me to the throne to get their great reward. And here, well done, my good and faithful servant. There are Christians who are not good and faithful servants. They're just happy to be saved and pop along to church. Don't get a reward for that. You need to serve the Lord. I'll just let that drop. But read your Bible. It's there. The call must be embraced and lived in. Are we ready? We're wrapping this thing up. Paul said to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There is a call upon every person here to surrender to Christ and become a child of God. There is a call of God upon certain individuals here to certain aspects of service in the kingdom of God. And there is a call upon this church to be as a city on a hill, a beacon of light, to take its place and to lead the way in bringing Christ to the people of this town and region. Amen. So I, bring to, I want to wrap up with what the Lord said to me this morning. Will you embrace and surrender to the call of God upon your life? The call to sonship, the call to servanthood, the call to shine the light of Christ and lead the way in bringing Christ to this town and to this region. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1, 3 tells us that we are to fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, when you become more mature in following Jesus, sometimes the temptations become a little less obvious. You know, the early ones in the earlier part of your Christian life, you know, are quite obvious sins. But, uh, but as you go on through your life, very often the temptations are temptations for things that look very good. But they're actually distractions from what is the best. So will you be faithful to what God called you to do? To what God called this church to do? Will you lay aside the things that hinder and the sins that keep tripping you up? Will you be single-minded to follow him with all of your heart? As long as you have breath in your lungs, will you still be faithful to serve the king? You're going to be somebody who just uses your retirement for a nice, relaxed time and just seeing the grandkids and going off on a cruise. And no problem with that, but just make sure those grandkids get well grounded in Jesus. Amen. And make sure that on that cruise you look for some divine appointments. <laughs> I went, once went on a ferry and Jesus told me to stand up and preach the gospel to the whole ferry. <laughs> they were a captive audience. <laughs> It was a real setup for baptisms afterwards. <laughs> there we go. But can I just say that we had a great time. Every single person prayed to give their lives to Christ. And we prayed for the sick and people were healed as we came into port. There is power and there is grace to fulfill it. 
Acts 1, verse 4 to 8. Jesus said this. He said, you shall receive power and you will be witnesses unto me. So, I have three, three things I need to pray. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray over you right now. I want to say to you, you know, forgive me. Um, I can't be around for a lot of personal prayer now. I have a five, six hour journey ahead of me. But I want to say this to you. Um, I'm going to pray over you, though, corporately. Many of the miracles we see happen where healing is concerned. Actually, the Lord got ahead of us on that one today. <laughs> but they happen just through the spoken word. But I'm going to say I, I want to give three appeals right now. I'm going to deal with them quickly here. First of all, is there anyone here? I'm not going to make this drawing. Is there anyone here that you're not sure that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven? You're not sure. Maybe you think so. Maybe you hope so. But you don't know so. And the Bible is clear that the people who are the saved are, the, are in the no-so company. They know they're saved by the Holy Spirit in their heart. I want to say this to you. Is there anyone here who's not sure yet that you're born again? That you are a Christian, that you're saved, and you want to give your life to Christ. You want to know it. You want to be right with him. Just put your hand up right now. I'm going to pray for you. Just do it now. Don't wait. Is there anybody like that? Okay? That's fine. Okay, so we're all believers here. Okay, may I just say this now? The second is, I know in my heart that there are individuals here that you are living in a zone, as it were, a consciousness and awareness of the fact that Jesus has called you to do something. You may not be desperately clear yet about what it is. Then there may be things. I know, and some of the reason I touched on some of these things during the message is this. I know in my heart that there are people here who feel that they've made mistakes and they've disqualified themselves. They feel that others have disqualified them. They feel that they cannot serve God in the way that the Lord had called them to do so. And they feel that too much time has gone by, it's all over, and it's too late. And I just want to say to you, the testimony of Scripture is that it is never too late. Amen. And so if you are in that position, or you may not be in that position, but you're a young person, or you're a middle-aged person, and you know that Jesus is calling you to do something in his kingdom, and you've got this thing burning on the inside of you, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. If you're in either of those groups, I'm just going to pray for you now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, right where you are, I want you to talk to the Lord for a moment. You need to talk to Him. You need to express to Him your willingness to do whatever He is calling you to do. And may I tell you from personal experience that these moments are holy. These moments are absolutely serious. And what you say to God, He will come and knock on your door. He will come, if you like, to collect this. He will come and say, yes, do you remember you said this to me? It's absolutely serious. There is great joy in responding to the Lord like this. But you must be aware also that there is cost. The reward is greater than the cost. But you need to stand, and when you stand, you stand seriously before him. Some of you are literally, you're at a crossroads of life. And I'm so glad, Barry, that you stood up. Because you need to be standing at this time. I felt it yesterday. I feel it again today. And throughout the message, you're a great guy. God's not finished with you. And change is afoot. 
And I, I know the change is afoot. Uh, you're right at the crossroads right now. But the Lord says, set your heart, son. Set your heart fresh on me. There's a fresh wind blowing in your life. My spirit to the Lord is, is picking you up and taking you forward again. And I would say to you, says the Lord, that all the things that I've invested in you over many years will come into their fullness in this next season. It would be that you would know that the things that have happened before have been, says the Lord, even as a training period. And you look back and you thought that that was the main thing. But the Lord says, no, that was the training. The main thing is yet to come. So trust me, says God. Put up the sail of your heart to me. Draw close to me in the secret place. I'm going to give definition to everything that you're feeling on the inside of you. And it's coming, says the Lord. And I will speak again, and I will speak again, and you will know it. For favor is coming upon you. Provision is coming upon you. And a new day is dawning for you. And a fresh door will open to you, says the Lord, where it seemed that the doors, all the doors were closed and you were just in transition and waiting and saying, Lord, when is it all going to turn around? But the Lord says, the time has come. It's come. And the time is upon you. Father, I bless my brother in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now that he would know your grace and your anointing and have a fresh encounter with you in these days and weeks that lie ahead. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. I release to him right now every one of those aspects of provision i thank you father release to him right now the clear discernment and knowing father that when other things come along that would be a distraction that seem good some of them will even seem great but will not be the main thing father i pray he would know beyond a shadow of a doubt and there would be clear confirmation as to the door that he is to take father god i bind satan from hindering him and distracting him from the main thing of what god has called him to do I, I absolutely bind satan from bringing confusion and I say Amen. you will know with clarity yeah. and the word of God will bring light across ahead of your path that you will know and you will not be distracted in Jesus' name. And you will fulfill the destiny of God for your life. Amen. It's not over. God is actually restoring. There is a restoration process going on in your life. And things that should never have happened back there, God is going to bring restoration and add back to you what should have always been yours in the first place. And he's bringing it all back. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, guys, let's just open up our hearts to the Lord. Just tell him. Tell him what you're doing. Tell him about your commitment to him right now. Just yield yourself to him. Say, Father, whatever, whenever, I'm yours. I'm yours, Jesus. Wherever, whatever, whenever. Just speak it out before him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I just bless you for each one of my brothers and sisters who are standing before you right now. Holy Spirit, come. We honor your presence. We acknowledge you're here. We pray, Lord, that you would come and you would touch each one. That you would speak to each heart right now. Let the Holy Spirit just come upon you right where you are. In the name of Jesus, let him touch you. Father, I just thank you. Lord, anoint them. Father God, fill them and touch them and anoint them. In the name of Jesus. Your power go into them. Father, I thank you, your power, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the many miracles that are going to flow from my brother's life, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for his passion for the unsaved. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to do many miracles through him. Lord, open his eyes to see in the Spirit. Father God, anoint his hands. Lord, the compassion that's inside you and that translate into miracles. And flow in him and through him, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. Let that, Lord, become a voice of freedom to the oppressed, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Lord, complete your work of freedom in her own heart, in her own life. And Lord, then mightily anoint her to bring your freedom to others. It shall be so. Father, I thank you for this young man. I thank you, Father, for the anointing you put upon his life. I thank you, Father, for clarity in his own thinking. Thank you, Lord. Father, he's a clear thinker. He loves to think through things. And Father, God, I thank you. It's a grace upon him to teach. To teach your word. To share the word of God. Father, God, I declare it in Jesus' name. I pray you put a great hunger in his heart for you. For the word of God in Jesus' name. And Lord, that your word will become such a fire in his heart. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. He will preach and teach the word of God to many, to multitudes. And Father God, I thank you for it. And I pray that anointing upon him, give him fresh encounters with you, ongoing encounters with you in the presence of God. Father God, that your word, he would have such an insatiable hunger for your word, and he would become razor sharp in the word of God, a voice in his own generation. I bless him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, for Fraser and Polly, we thank you for your grace upon their lives. Yes, Lord. There's a fresh wind. In Jesus' name. There's a fresh anointing. Just coming upon you in this day and for this day and for this time. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for the, the disciples. They are disciple makers. And Father, yes, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, I see fires. Yeah, I do. I see fires around uh, I see fires around Europe. I see fires in the southwest. I see fires going up the south coast. I see fires. E e even going up even to places like the Lake District and, and other places like that. I, I see the fire of God go. I, I see groups, uh, small groups, they're like groups, and they are highly significant. And there'll be times that you look at them and say, Lord, you know, we're going to these small groups, but the Lord says, look at the significance of what I'm doing in their lives. For it will be that some from these small groups will grow and impact the lives of thousands. And it would be that the Lord is going to use you to be like a mom, a spiritual mom and dad, to raise up disciples for him. All over. All over. Uh, and I see it in Europe. I do see it in the UK. There will be some other nations too. But you know something? It's going to come. You're going to be busy. You're going to be busy. But you're going to be fruitful. And Father, just bless them. I pray, Father God, that they will just have wisdom from you. Lord, to know what to take on, what not to take on, where to be, where not to be. Father God, because busyness doesn't always equal fruitfulness. That's right. But Lord, that they'll be That's fruitful right. because what they do is born of the Spirit. I declare it should be so. We silence every other voice. There will just be the voice of God that leads in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you, Father. Uh, we could go on, but for the sake of time, I just, Father, uh, I, I just thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters and commend them to the grace of God. Father, I pray for the work of your spirit upon the mightily. And right now, I just want to say that if you say, as a church, we are standing here together for the sake of Totnes and the call of God upon this body to make an impact, to bring Christ to Totnes and to this region. 
uh, to embrace this new season and this new anointing. I want to ask you to stand to your feet and I'm literally just going to pray for a fresh anointing for this new season coming upon you. I just bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray this and then I'm going to ask AD just to come and to declare the blessing of the Lord over you. Father, just thank you in Jesus' name. You see your body here, your church, standing before you and saying, yes, Lord, here I am, use me. I'm willing, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be used by you to bring your love, your life, your transforming grace, the message, the good news of Jesus to the people of this town and region. Father, I pray, let your spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit, in increased power here in this church and through this church that your anointing will fall and flow through this body to impact, Father God, Totnes. Father, I thank you for multiplication through this church in Jesus' name. I thank you for multiplied groups all over this place, Father, even in unlikely places. I see not only house groups, I see groups in pubs. I see groups in, in, in colleges. I see groups in all kinds of different places. But the Lord breaking new ground as you take Jesus out to where the people are. And Father, I thank you. I see discipleship happening outside the four walls of the church. And Father, I just thank you and praise you for that. That it won't just be a come, it will be a go. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for it. In the name of Jesus, bring great multiplication, Father. We thank you and praise you for doing it. Let signs and wonders flow through the hands of your people. In Jesus' name, from the youngest to the oldest, Father, that they will all have the joy of being partners in your harvest and seeing multitudes come to Jesus. Lord, we give you praise and to you be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you. God bless you. I'm going to hand over to Aidy here. Please do pray for us as well as we go on to do the five day mission and crew. We yeah. value that. Bless you. Yeah, we will. Thank you, Aidy. Yeah. Thank you, John. John, that was already quite a blessing. Bless you. Can we just thank John? Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. officially finish our meeting there but what I'd really love to happen is just have a few members of the prayer team just out here on the carpet because I think there might be a few bits of unfinished business and if you'd really like some prayer if you'd really like a touch of God today on your life this carpet is going to be the place where you come and somebody will be able to pray with you Um, and we'd love to do that but before people leave and also I want to just flag these up again um, there's a load at the front here and there's some on the desk on the way out. I want to challenge you all to take one of these and put it in the hands of someone who is seeking Jesus this week. See if you can give it away by the end of the week and start a conversation with one of these. There is dates in there, so they are time limited. We want to get them out into the right hands over the next month yeah. or so. Yeah. So this week, take one and put it in the hands of someone you've been praying for. Well, bless you. We're going to serve some tea and coffee. Would you welcome all the new people that are amongst us and let them know that they are valuable here and uh, go in the power of God this week. Yeah. Amen. 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 Bless you.
Do you need tea? No, no, no. I'm going to be friends. Oh, I'm going to be friends.